Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 21 of the Fitness Devil podcast. So you're going to get episode 21 before you get episode 20. Don't pay attention to why we did that. We just uh, moved someone around. So today you get Andy Morgan of RipBody.com. Andy's a really impressive online uh, coach, uh, writes a blog, does online training nutrition. He's an author and he also has his own podcast. So you get to check out uh, Andy's story and a lot of really impressive nutritional information. So stick around, enjoy it. And if you like this, give us a five-star review. Those help us a lot. Thanks. Shut up and sit down. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. It's Andrew Coates with Dean Guido. And today we have, well, depending on who you talk to, uh, the good fortune of having my uh, friend Andy Morgan <laughs> join us uh, all the way from Japan. He just woke up and uh, it's already uh, past sundown here in uh, cold Edmonton, Alberta. And he's pretty cool. He's the creator of RippedBody.com, an online training and nutrition coach, uh, an author. And uh, I'll let Andy tell us a bit more about what he does. So welcome, Andy. Uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it's 10 a.m. here, so I can't say I've just woken up. Typically, I'm up at 6 or 5.30. I like to get up, go hit the weights, and then start my day around 7. I just find myself more productive in the morning, say. So, I mean, for me, I've got a couple of websites. So I've got the English language one, which is ripbody.com. That's my own writing and my own thoughts. Um, it's where I write principally about the work that I do do with clients, the principles that I apply um, with my clients, and with the idea that um, if you read what I've written, you can do this for yourself as well. Um, that all kind of came out of uh, frustration with seeing the epic level of industry shite, uh, <laughs> and I just wanted to um, do something to be a counter to that and i think over the last seven years i think our industry's got a lot lot better in that regard there's a lot more people like ourselves now which is great um the japanese website that i have so i'm in uh, tokyo right now um, i've been living in japan for 12 years i've um been doing this for um coming up seven years now um this is recognized as um, basically the website to go to when it comes to um, physique-based um, information. So what I mean by that, uh, body composition information, so um, fat loss, uh, muscle gain, training in that regard. We don't touch um, strength and conditioning topics like those strength and conditioning specialist topics, um, but anything when it comes to um, uh, bodybuilding, let's say, yeah. We're known as like the go-to source for that. It's a website that's, um, we keep it quite geeky. We've had the, uh, <laughs> yeah, it Very is pretty geeky. geeky. It's kind of a, a focus or FR uh, policy, uh, which <laughs> like the goal has been to capture the hearts of the trainers and coaches the elite of the industry here by giving them the best information possible by translating that information and giving it out to them for free so that in the future we will 
be able to um, have enough of a voice to then impact the greater industry here. And I think from this year, we will be able to do that more and more. In addition to uh, your own writings and stuff, you also have worked with uh, the guys from 3DMJ, if I'm correct, and adapted their work into Japanese as well, translating it? Yeah, so what I do is I hold Eric Helm's pocket. Um, and I let him drag me along for the ride. <laughs> That's a prison reference for anyone. <laughs> I let Eric drag me along for the ride. He makes me look good. So I just kind of like, mm, yeah, I co-authored those books. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, uh, I feel very fortunate to have worked with uh, Eric Helms and Andrew Valdez on their Muscle and Strength uh, Pyramid Books project. Um, Eric asked me to help him um, put together uh, two books from his video series and Andrew is the one that really prodded him to do it and uh, yeah I'd already had a little relationship with Eric before because I'd made an article series on my website kind of summarizing what I had learned from his video series and then we also made a PDF uh, download for our Japanese readers for covering his training series and the principles in there. Just a short one. Like our training book is 200 pages. The one that we put out is, I think, 28 pages or something around that level. Um, We wanted something to give to our Japanese readers, so we just put together a free little PDF, and Eric saw the quality of that, and he was like, yo, Andy, can you help me out? You clearly know about marketing and putting together (laughs) books. (laughs) And I'm like, "Mm, well... I don't. <laughs> well, I guess I know a little bit more than you. Uh, that's all, but that was enough. And, and then, so and then he hung his much, pocket out. He put his pocket out. And yeah. Was like, <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, I'm going to hold that pocket and uh, <laughs> sweat me onto the ride. <laughs> yeah, we, um, we, we haven't met uh, Eric yet, but uh, we do have he, – he's going to appear on the podcast in some indeterminate future date. So we've arranged that he will, which is pretty cool. So, And he is coming to the city later this year, actually to the gym that Dean works out of, L2, and they're doing a, 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 a fitness summit. So yeah. we got like so he uh, – Yeah, so yeah, it's already been so. They got Eric. They got Alan Eric on. Yeah. And who else is coming? Uh, Dr. Spencer. Oh, yeah. Spencer, so I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing uh, Alan and Sohi and Spencer again, and it'll be really cool to actually meet Eric. So, yeah, so we'll do a little thing. We had one last year here in September where Dr. Mike Isertel and Dean Somerset did a two-day thing. Each had their own day, and so they were great, and that was fun, and they filmed that product, and it's out. So, um, so you mentioned- are you hosting that conference? Yeah. So it's here in Edmonton, and so it'll be a rude awakening for some of them how cold it'll be in September, but... Probably, probably be quite the trip for you, but hey, uh, you. Yeah, if, if you're, if you're coming Ken, by, like you're just it, gonna fly down. Come on. Is it Ken? Who's it's in uh, uh, Vancouver? Where is it? Kengo or is it Nyoto? Your guy. That's now probably yeah. Uh, yeah. How far is that for him? Oh God, uh, that's like an hour flight. and a half flight. Yeah, that? it's yeah. not far at all. So not far at all. He might be interested. Really, he's got he's got no excuse then. Um, <laughs> Send him our way. He can all right, years. let me let. Let me write that down. Send now to to Edmonton. Yeah. When is the when is it? September. Early September. Yeah. I think it's early September. You'll meet you'll meet the uh, the couple that own this facility. They'll be coming down with uh, with all of us because we're coming down to Kansas City again in May. And I pres- I know it's a big deal for you, so I think you'll be there. So you'll get to meet them. Their name are Laura and Landon Puberan, and they're really wonderful. So you'll get to see what the hell that's all about. And uh, by that time, it'll it'll be more out there anyway. So yeah, you kick him over, and we'll uh, we'll take good care of him when he gets here. 
Cool. Nice. Look forward to it. I'll chat with you about it then. But seeing as you're so far away in Japan, one of the things I was curious about, and I don't really know if I ever picked up on this part of the story, is what the hell led you to go to Japan anyway? Because I mean, you are from you're from Britain, right? So, uh, yes, uh, from Great Britain. Great Britain. Sorry. Whoops. It's a get right. I'm I'm from Birmingham, and uh, <laughs> we have uh, great curry, uh, not very good weather, and uh, I wanted to uh, escape. Um, I realized after a little bit of travel when I was at university that, um, <laughs> how can I say, um, there's a big wide world out there outside of what we've got in England. And uh, as nice as that may be, I wanted to go see it and see more of it. So I spent some time in India uh, after my first year of university, that first summer, spent three months in Calcutta, and then spent three months backpacking around Southeast Asia. I took some money when... I got an insurance payout when I crashed my motorbike or this big Toyota Land Cruiser hit me and uh, I just duct taped my bike back together and then took that £2,000 and about $2,500, $3,000 and I got myself a flight and went around Southeast Asia and yeah, then I went back to university for my third year and I was studying banking and finance and all of my course friends there applying for these the big four accounting firms because that's what you do. And I knew that's what I had to do because that's what you do. And uh, I didn't even know why I was doing the course, but it just kind of matched up with what I was good at, I thought, at high school. And, um, yeah, I was just filling out these application forms, and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't bring myself to do it. That's I just a, couldn't fake my way through. It's a funny coincidence, <laughs> and, Andy, actually, because uh, I didn't know this. and. I actually have a Bachelor of Commerce degree in uh, concentration in finance. And yeah, I spent six months working uh, as a trainee for a personal banker in a, in a bank. And my fucking God, I hated the experience. It was terrible. I just can't do the, the suit and tie thing behind a desk. So I wears no sleeves. It's brutal. Brutal. Uh, yeah. You have to have no sleeves always, even in minus 20 or whatever it is there, like right now. <laughs> He's not, I'm not joking. He doesn't not. Like, when do you ever wear sleeves? Once in a while. I, yeah, exactly. Once in a while. Yeah, but, but by the way, you business commerce people were considered a bit of a joke by us uh, <laughs> uh, money banking and finance uh, people because your third year finance class was our first year finance class and we absolutely hated you for that because the level that we had to study at to pass was just like, oh, it, was, uh, it wasn't fair. I didn't enjoy it. So, um, and you didn't even go do it. You wasted it. I wasted it. Um, like, well, you probably use it now to some. You'd some be surprised. It, it applies, but it yeah, applies. It's different. <laughs> a little bit. There, there's a. There's no waste. I mean, everything we've done up until now has brought us to where we are right now, good or bad. That's true. I was a and teacher. So, <laughs> so. Well, I love screwing with people and making them think about this. So, everybody listening, just think about this right now. Every decision, micro decision, turn you've taken on a road decision you've ever made in your life, what meal you've eaten has led you to this very specific moment. And you right now are listening to my voice, talking to Andy and Dean on a podcast. We're all here talking to this. Everything, the infinite array of decisions we've ever made over our lives led to this exact moment. Man, that's deep, man. That's all, I was, all I was going to say is there's three people who all went to college with like probably five or six degrees between us and no one is using them. Well... <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, we are because you're still a teacher. Yeah, you're fine. just teaching it in a different way. And well, Andy's still got to count his money that he makes from uh, ripbody.com, right? So, 
all that money. I, I prefer not to count it anymore. I just do big dives off the diving diving board into gold coins. So I've got my Scrooge McDuck image. Duck exactly. Yeah, yep. and he's really rich. Just, That's why he went to school for money. Money. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I always do karate as a hobby, and <laughs> not a karate. <laughs> Just do karate as a hobby, and I did karate as a hobby because um, kind of the, where I went to school was a really rough, rough area, and you had to watch your back. Um, and the worst thing that could happen is a teacher asked to see you after school because that meant that you missed the school bus. So you always wanted to hand your homework in on time. Because if you miss the school bus, you had to run the gauntlet of getting on the public transport back home, and that meant you're probably going to get mugged or beaten up. Um, or not all the time, but there was a not insignificant um, likelihood of that Jesus. happening. I remember there was a point when it got really bad for a couple of years. Uh, police had these undercover cops, that, and they had these specific designated safe routes that they wanted us to walk down to the train station. <laughs> What the hell? Do you, I don't want to live where you live. That sounds horrible. Birmingham. Yeah. <laughs> Come to Canada, uh, it man. Was, it, it was Aston. I mean, it's nothing like. Uh, there are way, way worse places. It's just we were seen as easy pickings to mug, basically, and a couple of That's not, not very nice. I don't know why a couple of not very nice things happened to um, a couple of the students there, and. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So you um, found your Mr. So I, Miyagi and learned karate. I got into karate when I was bottled in the street. Um, and my reaction at that time was to scream out when I blocked it with my hand and then <laughs> not block the second swing, <laughs> have my head cut open, see all the blood pouring down me. And then I ran away and left my friends. And then I remember I was in hospital and I'm getting stitched up and like I had this overwhelming feeling of shame. And because I'd run away from my friends, right? Yeah. And I'd left them. And, uh, yeah, so I, it, it, it kind of messed me up a little bit, um, that whole experience and made me really quite paranoid. And, uh, my piano teacher at the time, um, Bob, he, he did karate and he said, come along join me and so I got into karate and I did a little bit more at university as well found a really good dojo and then I just happened to have read a book that somebody I, th I believe someone we did a book swap this was in Indonesia um, and someone we just swap books when you're backpacking you know and I read about this guy in Tokyo who was teaching English and he did this Aikido course and I thought brilliant how about I go to Japan and do some karate in Japan instead of you know clearly um, going into finance, I don't think this is for me. So I'll go and teach English in Japan and see if I can find a karate school there. That was it. That's crazy. That's a great and terrifying story. <laughs> finance <laughs> not working for me. You know what? I think I'm going to do karate. <laughs> um, okay. So <laughs> now we're going to just jump right off. So you noted, and I don't know if this was said in a podcast or an interview somewhere, that the word ripped doesn't translate into Japanese culture. So I kind of wanted to touch on, like, how is the Japanese fitness industry a little bit different than over here in Western society or Western, the Western fitness industry, I guess? Yeah, sure. I'm happy to go into that. It's funny, actually. The website used to be called ripbody.jp, yeah. and I kept it like that for five years, even though... 
I removed all of the Japanese off of the website after a year. Um, because the Japanese don't want to read a website that has two languages on it. They want one just for themselves. Yeah. And also ripped, like they don't know what it means. They can't really say it very well. They would have to say, and even if they were to look it up in a dictionary, it would literally mean torn, torn body. Right. So it's like, it just didn't work on, on any level. So we, we did athlete body. Um, so the, the Japanese website is athlete.jp. So think about <laughs> think about who you're trying to position stuff to before you uh, choose a name. <laughs> My advice there. It worked out. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it worked out. We made it work out in the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, what's the difference with the Japanese fitness industry? So I'd say the, the about a quarter of the people have a gym membership compared with. Uh, the US, I believe. Or be higher, yes. Say North America. Yeah. Um, so let's say um, four out of 20 people have a gym membership in the States. It'll be one out of 20 in Japan. That's what I mean by oh, that, right? Oh, I see. And, uh, and don't quote me on this because I think it's something like 11% and 4%, some, something like that. Uh, or 3%, yeah. So it's quite smaller. Yeah, it's much smaller. Also, the. There is not a love of size here. Um, Except for the sumo people, wrestlers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it, it's which is fantastic to watch. If you ever come, do it. It's absolutely brilliant. Sit in the back seats. Try and sit by some like really old boys because they'll all be getting totally smashed on their sake screaming out like calls to the sumo wrestlers in the seats it's an absolutely brilliant Just afternoon it. <laughs> yes, it's so good it's so good um really fun to watch anyway um i would say also that um it never used to be it used to be like skinny was cool among women, um, skinny is still skinny, almost reiki still is kind of the way to go. And with men, it used to be that, but it's getting better. Having a little bit of size now is okay. Um, so how can I put this? Say, you know how people consider Brad Pitt and Fight Club yeah. as kind of a goal? Yes. Um, I think a lot of people don't really um, know how lean and he was in that, like very lean and not very muscular at all. Um, I'd say for many Japanese people, they would consider that to be a goal. Um, now, more and more, it's becoming more, say, Brad Pitt in Troy. Um, but this is, this is funny, too, because I've literally had this conversation like multiple times this, like we last just, week. About, we just talked about this shit. But fucking... Brad Pitt and Troy was like what got me into fitness, and then everyone's like, "Yeah, me too, me too." And now it's going to Japan, FYI, I guess. And you still here. There we go. Uh, and and it's like, what happens is the celebrities, how they look, yeah, it trickles down on society. So you can look at um, the boy bands now, and they've all got more muscle than they had. 10 years ago when I first came, they they were just skinny, skinny, skinny. As in, like they would diet down. And they wouldn't have any abs because they just don't have any muscle. Yeah. But at least now people are training. So that's good. And also women training is becoming more of a thing now. 
Um, it's still a little bit behind where it is in the States, but women are starting to be marketed to um, for lifting weights instead of just cardio, 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 and some pink dumbbells, which is cool. It's good to see. And honestly, I think a lot of this has come from um, with this new wave uh, of social media and the effects of Instagram, people have been able to follow their favorite Western fitness celebrities. And a couple of the Victoria's Secret girls are really quite popular. Hmm. And they train, they train with weights. And therefore, boom, all of a sudden, in Japan, women want to train with weights. It stands to reason that cultural icons are going to have an influence on uh, the way that people value appearing. And I'd never really crystallized this thought before until this conversation, but Arnold Schwarzenegger probably has singularly had a massive impact on how like a lot of people in Western society value muscular size. Without Arnold and those famous images, maybe things would be very different. That's quite plausible. J- Japanese culture never had a, their version of Arnold. They got Brad Pitt. No. Club. there's also like uh bodybuilders are seen kind of as a a curiosity uh like almost like a freak show here and they're kind of mocked whenever they get on tv really um as just like they're kind of uh the the gorilla in the corner um and just has there's kind of been this image of this the the stupid bodybuilder which is that doesn't do the community any good or any justice. Um, that's getting a little bit better. Which is, you know what, but, that's not too different. Well, it, it's a little different here, but at this point, like the way bodybuilding has gone, they're almost becoming a freak show to even Western society. Like no one's sitting there being like, I want to look like who's the Phil Heath, right? Phil Heath. Yeah. Like yeah. that's, it's ridiculous almost. So it's getting there too. Yeah. And I couldn't imagine if they thought our old bodybuilders looked like, crazy freaks what do they think of them now <laughs> mm. Mm. right i think as this 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 has led to the rise of uh, physique yeah absolutely yeah. and, and classic, that whole, like the classic the is classic bodybuilding now. yeah, um, yeah it's, it's kind of funny here bodybuilding nobody wants to do it but yeah. put the pair of swim shorts on everyone wants to do it um bodybuilding none of the ladies will go to it you go to a physique show boom packed full of ladies it's like it's cool to be a physique competitor but it's not cool to be a bodybuilder here which is weird because it's the same. <laughs> it is exactly the same. Maybe you skip a leg day and you only do <laughs> once a week, right? But um, really, you put some swim shorts on and people don't know anyway. So a lot of the bodybuilders just went and started doing physique. Oh, makes sense. Are there any sort of odd behaviors or etiquettes within like, you know, the gyms there, stuff like that. Uh, two of our good friends came on a podcast. We should, by the time people hear this, it should be released, uh, Mark and Michelle, and they spent some time in China and they're telling these wild stories about how they're in Chinese gyms and uh, people walk right up and like stand right next to them and stare at them while they're training or they're smoking cigarettes within the gyms. No respect uh, of space. The, yeah, well, that, I, I think there's a little bit of a cultural thing there. Like Michelle was talking about how she'll be squatting and someone will take a phone and slide it <laughs> oh, underneath yeah. her while she's squatting, like some weird shit like that. So there are there. She any, said that happened a lot. Yeah. She's like, people would just stare at her and take videos of her because females in China working out was like fucking crazy. Then you get a white woman and they're just like. <laughs> Taking videos of her underwear and shit. It's fucked. Yeah. Uh, is there any weird shit like that or just things that we would see as abnormal? Um, well, the Japanese are very, very respectful of space. So it's almost the total opposite of yeah. that. 
um, any weird shit? Not really. I mean, you still have the same um, supplements and drinks that people will be sipping. Um, I've seen a lot more people here taking powders in the mouth directly and then drinking them down instead of mixing them up first than I ever did at home. Um, uh, people will bow before they enter the gym in um, – it's certainly in the gym that I went to, private gym, because it's considered a, a place of training and practice. And so they'll, they'll bow on entry to the door and they'll bow on leaving. And you, when you, the gym that I was at, you would, you would bow upon um, entering and then you would say good morning or good evening and everybody would shout back good evening. Now, was that like a rule? So, like you had to like read the rule lists that you knew like you had to do that? Because that wouldn't be normal yeah. for you to do. It's just monkey see, monkey do, right? Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, or, 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 or better put, when in Rome. Yeah. Just the Romans do. I, and I quite like that. It's like everybody acknowledges other people. But there's not a lot of talking um, that will go on. No. Okay. That's, those are all good things. I haven't heard of it. So all, yeah, the weird, all the weird stuff is just I, good, I, positive I'm things. kind of like it. In, like, in terms of bad, bad things, what, what is bad about... Um, and, and this isn't limited to training. Um, what could be bad about industry here? It's a very uh, seniority-based uh, society. So if someone has been doing something longer than you or they're older than you, they are right. So you basically have to listen to what they say and do what they say if you want to be considered part of their group. I could see how that could get dangerous. Yeah, how does Andy feel about that? Andy? How do I, how do I feel about that? Yeah. <laughs> I created a website. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, you can keep repeating that you need to like eat two, three, every two, three hours. And that's not really the truth. And I'm not going to be able to um, convince you any differently. So I'm going to just put the information up there and make it really, really, really good. And then you can read it and choose to ignore it if you want. But I'm not going to stand and argue with you because that would be culturally rude. I'm just going to leave it up there like a big steaming shit. And you can try and not smell it. <laughs> you can try to not clean it up, right? But it's going to make a noise. Now, the interesting thing about that is when I started out with this night, we would translate. I approached no, the, the, the people that you, uh, I approach the people on your podcast. I wanted to drop lots of big steaming shits all over the industry here, to just just to clean it up, right? I yeah. want to because with the language barrier, yeah, you've got a lot, of, a lot of nonsense that can grow here, and it's not like when you're Japanese, you can go and Google something, and Alan Aragon's website will pop up, yeah. or or Examine.com's database of the supplement research will pop up. No way. There's nothing like that. Why? Because there's no financial incentive to translate information that doesn't have a tweak, gimmick, or something to sell on the back end of it, right? So I was like, right, okay, well, let's screw that. I'm going to take some money that I've earned from coaching on ripboy.com, and I'm going to pay Ken full-time to translate good stuff and put it out in Japan for free. So... When I put out one article on meal timing, nobody cares because who who am I? Who are we? But when you put out two articles a month for years and it's always 
really high quality to the level where nobody argues with us anymore. They don't even try. They're just scared to, um, which isn't a good thing. Um, but we're kind of known to be almost untouchable in a way. And that's partly down to Ken reading all the research before he'll even translate an article on one subject. So he just kind of, he's just really good and really dedicated. Um, you almost coined it. By well, doing you- that, we've, we've built up credibility. So, so now it's, we've kind of made it hard to ignore, but at the same time, it's not in your face aggressive. I'm, not, I'm never a person to sit down with someone and say, you're wrong, unless I really care about them, right? Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be confrontational and be like, you're wrong. I mean, a 20-year-old me would, um, arrogant me would, but not now. But I can put the information out there so that when someone is ready to go and look for it, it's there. It's like when – it's like clients coming to us versus – trying to sell someone on the idea of working with you, right? If they've already come to us, I mean, it's because they've already read our information, heard about us. They Maybe they've heard the podcast that you do, and they feel a sense of connection. They like the vibe that we're putting out, right? And then they want to start a conversation to see if the way that you interact with that client is congruent. And if it is, boom, they want to work with you. They definitely want to work with you, right? If what you're saying that they can achieve matches up with their goals and objectives, then boom, there you go. Um, yeah. There's a big long I'll game ask- here in all of this, clearly. So you got to wait until you're like 60 or 70, and then you're the senior guy, and then you're right, and everybody's going to listen to you. <laughs> Hopefully that's how it works out. Uh, so uh, actually, one of the questions that I was curious about was uh, – I've known you to be someone who's really popular and well-networked in the industry, but yet you're tucked away in Japan. So how did this actually come to be that like everybody seems to know you? I think because I'm away in Japan, it's easier for me to make connections. So um, there's there's two important things here. So it's unique. So, Oh, the guy in Japan, even if people forget my name. Yeah. Right. So like here, people will, maybe they'll forget my name, but I'll be referred to as the tall guy. I bet you, Andrew, you're referred to as the big guy, the big big ginger guy, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, That's helpful, right? The other thing is, uh, and the way that really I kind of made my connections is I, I, I reached out to people I looked up to and respected a lot, whose information I thought was just fantastic. And I said, yo, you've got this article that's already out there. Um, I would like to get it translated and put out in Japanese. Um, We're not selling it. We're just putting it up there for the Japanese because there's a dearth of quality information. I don't know where that will lead for you. Possibly nowhere at all. We will, of course, put a link to your website. And in most likelihood, nobody, very few people will click through because they can't speak English anyway and read it. But if it's okay with you, I'd like to translate that. Would that be all right? Well, no one's going to say, people don't say no to that. That was genius. Really. Yeah, you get, a, you get a conversation with all the industry best and then you're giving them something. You're like a networker. It's easy. 
Exactly. So, and that's what, I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. They, they want to make, they want to have a relationship with um, people they look up to. And, and that's totally understandable. But they come at it from a, what can I get from them yeah. point of view instead of what can I do for them? So my attitude has been, well, they've already done so much for me. They're my teachers. They're, and they're doing so much for the industry. In what way can I help? And if you come at it from that angle, when you approach someone, then that's going to, genuinely, that's going to shine through. And your likelihood of a positive reaction is, is much, much higher. But I mean, how many, how many times do you get an email um, from someone basically, instead of them giving you, they're just looking to take, 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 take. Yeah, you do. They just do, they go about it. Yeah. And then it, it kind of becomes awkward because it just becomes easier to ignore the email to say no. than to, yeah. Yeah. Because you have to explain why you're saying no. And, you know, a lot of people just aren't prepared to hear that. Well, that's part of why we want to do this podcast. And, uh, you know, we have our own groups of people, our followings and, and whatnot. And we get to share you, Dr. Mike Isertel, Sohi Lee, Patrick Humphrey, uh, Jay Ashman, with everybody that are already used to us and exposed to us. So, and obviously that benefits us, surely, but it's great for someone like yourself. And I, I'm hoping that people will take this seriously and then go check out your podcast because it's really great. We were talking about this off air and you've had a whole array of really awesome guests on there, people like Greg Knuckles. And again, I remember Patrick Humphrey on there fairly recently. Uh, so I hope that people actually the ones who are looking to consume more podcasts and more information to go check out Andy's podcast. And uh, that's just another great place to find a lot of information. And then the more they learn about you, who knows how that'll pay off for you. So I I firmly believe in that as opposed to, uh, you know, doing this for the sole purpose of benefiting us directly. Oh, it's so so easy because like starting a podcast, we're like, fuck it, let's just do this. This will be fun. Not, hey, how can I get a lot of money out of this? Because that ain't happening. No. Like... At all. I don't know how much money Andy's making on his podcast, but... I, no, I, I don't think yeah. I've made any. I, I know exactly. I spend about $100 per podcast because yeah. I, I spend about 150 on a mic and cover, and then yeah. it's about, I don't know, it's some money to it. ship, and I don't actually pay for the guests, but I do pay for some sound uh, editing and yeah. then guys to help me put the... Yeah, it's he, he, uh, maybe 400 a pay per podcast. Yeah, it's intangible, right? Because how many people um, say, even current clients, they'll email me and say, "Oh, heard the podcast, thought it was really great. That was a really good point you made there, or your guest made there." So that's giving them something extra that's adding to the coaching. And then there's other people that maybe they they read my writing. I'm primarily a writer. Um, People get to know my writing, and then they see the results of that I had with clients and maybe they try out what I'm talking about themselves. And then some of them will come and they will hire me for coaching. Um, but perhaps some of them, the extra push they need to feel familiar enough is a podcast. And so, you know, it's very difficult to say how the podcast is helping, uh, but it's not monetized directly. No. 
Well, and, and it goes into this whole idea, which we wanted to jump into next, which is for like a lot of our listeners happen to be like new personal trainers or personal trainers looking how to do things and network. And you've kind of kind of cornered that in the sense that people know you are, you're networking all the time, you got a podcast. What would you say for people that are new to the industry in terms of how do they network and create their importance or I guess get more networked into like the, the middle of this whole fitness thing? That's a long ad question. <laughs> no, no, uh, no it's, it's a very fair question, it's, and it's a difficult one. I think some people will find it much easier than others. Um, yeah. I would say get out to conferences, uh, like the one that we were talking about earlier, um, like the one in Kansas City that I travel to, um, and meet people. Because there's nothing like um, meeting people face-to-face. So, yeah, I was... When I, when I turned up at the conference, I was, oh, you're the guy that emailed me from Japan, right? And you can actually build a relationship, and then, you know, things can go from there. Um, I think getting to conferences is possibly the most undervalued um, thing that people can do. And in terms of mentality... I think it's very clear that there are more people out there that need help than there are people like us um, able to help them. So try to have an abundance mentality rather than the scarcity mentality. Now, what I mean by this is thus. If you see someone doing well, that's a good thing. Take that as inspiration. Take that as, yes, they're in my industry, they're doing well, therefore I can do well. What did they do well? How did they get there? What can I learn from that? What don't I particularly like about that? What what is um, what is the way that I might do things so that I can emulate that success? Then being successful doesn't take anything away from you. In a way, I would say any one of us doing well just drags the whole group of us up. It's a blueprint. Blueprint, go on. What's that? Sorry. You don't want a blueprint. Oh, like I get on a new word. Blueprint. So like a like a path or like instructions on on how to attain something, I guess. So blueprints would be like, how do you build a car? Oh, right, yeah, yeah. And you'd be a blueprint on how to be successful, I guess, in the fitness industry as a trainer or coach. Right, right, I see. So, yeah, so so don't um, look at someone else being successful and think that that takes something away from you. Now, here's a practical example. Support your friends. Yeah. Don't be clingy. Don't be... Don't be greedy because it shows through. Like, be generous with your recommendations. It is not going to, you're not going to have significant leaks. Like, I talk about other coaches all the time. I don't worry that people are then going to go out and hire them instead of me. You know, maybe that will happen, but that's okay. It means that that other coach was a better fit for them than it was for us to work together at a time, which is ultimately a good thing. 
And they'll still be grateful for that because I'm the one that introduced them. So then at some point in the future, when they know someone who's looking for coaching, maybe they'll end up recommending me or they'll certainly recommend my articles. Um, so try to have that abundance mentality, I, I would say, instead of um, just a grabby, scarce mentality. Uh, I think this is something you've either got or you don't. And if you don't have it, try to work on it and try to see why that um, try to change your attitude there. Um, and then I would say thirdly, and I touched on this before, but always seek to be helpful before, always seek to be helpful first. Approach it interactions by how can I help you um, now if there is something if there's nothing that you can think of specifically there um, it's easy for me because I could be like hey could I translate something yeah right um, another one is uh, here's another example I recommend um, coaches when I get someone apply for my coaching, but I don't think it's a good fit for me. But I want to have some people that I can refer them to. Um, so I've reached out to a couple of people and said, hey, would it be okay if I recommended these people to you um, when they're not a good fit for me particularly because I think that might be a good fit for you. And, of course, you know, no one's going to say no to that. So that's another easy way. Um, if it's genuine, of course, you've always got to be genuine. Um, but ju yeah, just seek to be helpful for other people. And if you can't think of anything at all, then is there a compliment that you can give a genuine compliment? So I like for your example, accent. yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like your accent. That'd so be a bad one. this is a, there's a difference between a shallow person and a deep person. So, uh, you're shallow. Uh, I'm super deep. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I like so, it. You know, I'll be sure. <laughs> yeah. So, so for me, uh, one compliment I gave that I know stuck with a, a friend of mine now, um, Alan Aragon, was I said to him, I was like, "Bro, seeing your work is what convinced me that a career in the fitness industry can be legit." And so I went full in on it. So thank you, and I'll always owe you for that. Yeah, he's one of the groundbreakers in, I guess, the popularizing like evidence-based nutrition in the industry. I remember listening to him talk about how his parents sort of frowned upon this industry and uh, how he wouldn't ever have much of a successful career in it. But, I mean, he's now the gold standard. Well, in I was going to say, how many times he probably gets that compliment all the time. It's like, like he, he's but pretty much I the guy. It never grows old. No, yeah, I'm sure. It never it's, it's, old, no. yeah. Yeah, so, and, and so what has happened there? I actually said that in person, right, um, to him when I met him at a conference. That's never going to grow old. No. That's always going to be meaningful because it, may, it makes the struggle that he's been through meaningful for him. Yeah. So it reminds him of back when, in the day when he was getting, um, when his parents were saying that to him. Um, that he was right to do so, to fight through in that, right? So I haven't then followed up and asked him for, a guest article or a podcast <laughs> or how am I saying here's a compliment now do this for me right I've just been like thanks man I've just given something 
even though it's just a compliment, just give it. Give, 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 give. And believe that and know that things will come back around eventually. And that's even the standard right now with this whole social media thing is that whole idea of and, and how it was in the past when you write blogs or articles is that whole idea of content and just giving because it will come back around is it, the difference is if you're not putting out that content, people aren't going to know who you are because if you just expect people to pay you for what? Like they need to understand that you know your shit. And I guess th- that whole idea of give, 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 give goes to any professional in this industry. However, the content is laid out, whether it's a podcast, a book, writing, Instagram, whatever. So it's kind of good to hear one of the old G's saying it. <laughs> Speaking of knowing your shit. No, Andy, I'll, I'll let you go first before I ask this. Go ahead. Oh, you just call me an OG. You're an OG, man. Somewhat. <laughs> you're like you're like the OG for like the the newer. He's kind of a mid. You're like a mid G. He's a mid G. Yeah, you're definitely not young. Sorry, I didn't compliment you. <laughs> what are you saying? Look at this fresh face. More of the shallow <laughs> shit right here. You look. He actually. So we have him on video. He looks very young, and all your pictures really do make you look very ripped and, and young. So that's that. There's my compliment. It's a special face cream. Yeah. It's Japanese secret formula. Um, Two bottles for you right now, okay. just ninety nine dollars. Yeah. PayPal me. Can you translate it in English for all of us? Yeah, You're I will the, absolutely do that. Absolutely. Well, that's what Andrew. So we won't. We've gone over Andrew's age. Andrew looks very young too. So maybe you guys are both on the screen. <laughs> it's it's a great about lifting weights and. Do we ask people's eat, age? Is that weird? don't eat like an how, asshole? How old is Andy? How Andy? Have, how old are you? I have no clue. So. Andy, how old are you? I'm 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 thirty four. Oh, you're not even that old. Fuck. No, you're not old. So you're not OG. You know what? I take that back. He's a mid G. You're a mid G. Andrew's the oldest one here. I'm the oldest one here. So we're (laughs) we're alluding to you knowing your shit and you build a great reputation on your nutrition work. What are some of your key philosophies and approaches to your clients with nutrition? Uh, So first of all, take out, look for the big wins. So these are small things you can do that are going to lead to the biggest results um, first before adding in extra complication. And then when we do go down that road of adding in extra complication, we still keep it as simple as possible to still get those results. So I'm more on the side of um, ease versus Um, how can I say I would prefer that somebody has a 90% chance of adhering to a protocol that's going to get them 90% versus 60% chance that they're going to adhere to a protocol that's going to get them that 99% if that makes sense. Yeah. So here's an example. Um, I might give someone a, a protein, uh, a caloric target, a protein target, and then fairly loose carbohydrate and fat targets. Um, and when I say loose, like th- let's say they can go 10% either side of that. But how they do that across the day really comes down to their schedule and preferences. So two big meals a day, with some protein either side of training is something I quite like to do with my clients and they love the simplicity of it, especially when dieting. 
Um, some clients, they might want to cycle their calories and carbs, so have higher carb training days and lower carb rest days, and so lower fat training days and higher fat rest days, um, kind of Martin Birkin's principles with lean gains there, um, the way that he would set things up. Um, not necessarily skipping breakfast, but they can if they want to, like it, enjoy it. And if the person can afford that complication, then sure, let's go with that. But if doing that is going to mess them up because it's just going to make them think too much each day and it's going to be too troublesome, then I have no um, qualms about jacking that in because I know it's not just not going to make a big difference in the grand scheme of things. What will make a big difference is, is if they get all inside their heads and they can't actually execute and implement that, then well, they're not going to get towards their goals then because they're only going to have, say, three weeks of adherence and then a week of like, ah, oh, I messed up, ah, oh, sorry, and they're getting this all-or-nothing attitude. So that's another thing, helping my clients avoid this all-or-nothing attitude when things don't go right. A vacation comes up, somebody gets sick, they have a business trip that happens. Instead of when they have to, let's say when they go away, instead of just being like, ah, well, I'm not training this week, I'm just going to eat what I want and not bother trying to find a gym, I'd be like, no, no, no. You can still use the principles that you learned when you were uh, from my coaching. So when you were counting your foods and you still have a good idea of what your nutri nutritional requirements look like when they're on a plate. So you can still do your best to keep to that while you're away. And you can find a gym. You will be able to find a guest membership somewhere. Just wake up a little earlier and get it done. That's helping them to stay consistent and even if it means doing some body weight work in a hotel room, it can just, it kind of flips a switch where people all of a sudden, they're no longer off or on. They're just being. It's who they are. That's what they do. They're no longer on a program. It's just, this is what I do. And it becomes them. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And it's basically do the basics, right? And figure your shit out and you kind of release them into the wild. So they're not so like dependent on the whole process, which is sweet. But I want to sidestep here because we brought Andy Morgan on and we have an explicit title and he said, can I swear and do all these things? I want to know, I, I want you to kind of light up some mainstream ideas or trends in nutrition that alarm you. And what's your approach for combating some of these, we'll call them problem ideas, if you got any? Wow. Let it out, what's Andy. A, Come on, man. What's a, what's a problem idea? Um, as much as I like Tim Ferriss, I wish he would shut up when it comes to training and nutrition. His part um, of the book is so bad. I didn't like it at all. It's funny, actually. So I just saw um, Brad Schoenfeld tweeted this like list of 30 people that are like great reads in the industry and uh and he's on it so that's great but on the list are a couple of other people and so someone asked him uh are, th are there 
any of these people that are going to be problems or bad. And he gave a very political answer saying he doesn't pay attention to anybody else. But I went in there and tweeted and, and Tim Ferriss was one of the ones listed. And I picked him and two other people out and said, you know, be careful with these ones here. And again, of course, Tim Ferriss, because of all this low carb uh, zealotry and, and suicide bullshit. Yeah. Um, I, no, I like the guy. Yeah. I like a lot of the content he puts out. Uh, I just don't like his nutrition and training stuff because you know what sells there is hacks and there aren't really any hacks. If someone's selling you a biohack, if you hear the word biohack, then um, tell them to bio fuck the hell off. Man, but he, he does all the hacks. He like does LSD, he meditates, he fucking goes nice. Like how does he schedule all his shit? Like there's no fucking way. Yeah. <laughs> he tells people this. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Does does what he's I don't let, I don't want to get personal about anyone. Yeah, so um, I, I think I think one thing to take away from from Tim Ferriss when it comes to um, health and training, sorry, nutrition and training is try to find what works for you. Absolutely, and stick with it. Um, but the one thing I caution on. He's saying, don't read, say, the four-hour body or whatever, and then therefore think, okay, this is the thing yeah. for me of what will work. It's just an idea. He's an experimenter, right? We already have a very good idea of what will work. And so he's kind of putting out counterintuitive ideas of what has worked in some situations. I, I guess the problem I is I don't think there's enough context there often. Um, and that can lead to people getting very confused. I think there's there's now quite a, a, a keto uh, ketogenic dieting has come back. Um, it's the first time that many people have heard of it. Um, it just means a very high fat, low carb diet. Um, these things have been around a really long time. Um, it's just now back in vogue. Um, what I would say is there's nothing. There doesn't seem to be any. Uh, research data, solid research data, suggesting that this will have advantages um, for um, fat loss or certainly not performance advantages. Um, that's not to say that some people don't really enjoy that type of diet and do well on it, thrive on it, but the majority of people won't. And you need to think about what you can adhere to. And is that a low-carb lifestyle forever? Um, probably not. Um, by all means, feel free to give it a try, but don't do it because you think it's going to have some medical advantage. And don't do these uh, exogenous ketones and all of that crap. It's just something else to sell you. It's like the butter in the coffee. Let's put 500 calories of butter in coffee so that you can burn more fat. 500 calories of fat in the coffee so you can burn more fat in a day. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> No. So no, none of your that. clients are doing any keto, even if they're like, Andy, I need to do keto. I got through this whole email process with you and I'm a client and paying all this money. Can I just try keto? What are you telling them? Oh, if they want to try it, yeah. like I will explain all of that to them. If they'd really like to try that, I'm not going to stop them from trying that. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, but then what I'll caveat this with is that 
most of my clients are recreational trainees. They're, they wouldn't be doing more than, say, five training sessions a week, and these are primarily resistance training sessions, so powerlifting or bodybuilding-type work. Yeah. They're not endurance athletes. If they were an endurance athlete, I would strongly advise against it, especially if they had a competition coming up. But if they had, say, a six-month break and they wanted to give it a go, and it's clearly an itch that I can see that they need to scratch, I wouldn't – I would let them scratch that itch but be here to catch them when they – if they felt kind of thing. You know what I mean? This is actually probably a good place to point this out. And, you know, for any of our trainers who listen, especially if they're newer – when you become very aggressively negative about certain dietary strategies because you don't believe in them, your clients are still going to come across them and they're going to be curious. Like you said, they're going to want, they're going to have an itch to scratch. You have two choices. You can be very negative about it and make them feel kind of stupid about having gone out and sought that information. And then you're going to have, you're going to break sort of some of the trust that you're trying to build up with those people. They may go do it anyway, and then you're not going to be included in the process or do exactly what you said, support the idea, but say, you know, I'm going to be there and we're going to do this together. And if it doesn't quite go the way we hope, then, then we can maybe pivot this way and I'll work with you. And then that way you foster that trust. And so you have a stronger relationship with that person. It's all on how you choose to approach it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the, another couple of other things I see is there's um, sugar is bad, um, and then there's the insulin hypothesis. Um, sorry, hypothesis of obesity. Um, these things they really they just come from um, simple things selling, and you know we like simple solutions. Unfortunately, um, obesity is not a simple problem, but there are a couple of very vocal scientists that whose livelihood depends on this staying alive, and so they tend to ignore the science. Um, so Gary Torbs, Tim Noakes, they aren't particularly interested in, um, doesn't seem, in looking at the broader uh, base of evidence. They're just ramming this down people's throats. And um, that's, a, that's a sad thing, really. What I'd, what I'd say to people is um, eliminate it. If you're eating a ton of sugar, and cutting down on your sugar is probably going to be a quick win to help reduce your caloric intake. But you don't have to ban yourself from eating sugar at all. And um, carbohydrate isn't going to prevent you from losing fat. You can have carbs in your diet. Um, so I guess what I would say is if somebody presents a very, very simple case to you um, for um, why we get fat, then I would be wary of it, unless the answer is too much energy intake. Which is pretty straightforward and simple. And you mentioned those, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you mentioned those names like Gary Tubbs, and it kind of goes back to talking about Tim Ferriss, and you can lump Joe Rogan in the same category. And these are probably two of the biggest podcasts out there. These, tons and tons of listeners. They have broad reach. And yet you see guys like Gary Tubbs getting on those podcasts 
And yet we still haven't seen Alan Aragon or Dr. Lane Norton or some of these guys who people want to get them on there. They want to go on these podcasts, but for whatever reason, they, they can't get them on there. So it, part of it is these guys are actually getting an audience and uh, their message is misleading to say the least. Now, speaking of successful podcasts, you actually have your own too. And I mentioned that earlier. Why did you begin your podcast and what has that experience been like? think about it i get to steal an hour of time of some of the best guys in the world that's kind of what we did and all i have all (laughs) i have to do oh thanks buddy fill in the love Uh, i'm not on the same level as the guys i'm referring to Um, (laughs) i get to steal an hour of their time and all i have to do is get them to record it and then put it out right so i get a free hour to ask them anything I want. It's brilliant. It's the ultimate hack. And right now, people aren't even paying people for their time when they have guests on. We're in Disneyland right now. I don't think this is going to continue. No, stop telling people um, that, Andy. Jesus. We're just starting <laughs> out here. I'm fucking going to tell them to start charging us. <laughs> but, but can you imagine what... So I can reach out to, say, Brad Schoenfeld, yeah. um, who... He's done, was it a hundred study? I don't know. Some crazy number of studies he's got his name. He's constantly doing study, 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 study. He's like super, he's like the top of the industry when it comes to hypertrophy. And I can reach out to him and be like, hey, could I have an hour of your time for a podcast? If it was, can I have an hour of your time? I would like to talk to you on the phone. Hell no, no chance. Yeah. Hell no, Andy. Like, be it. <laughs> But you say podcast, it's like, oh, yeah, okay. So that's why I do the podcast. It's to scratch my own itch. And I know that in doing that, it, other people will um, be helped as well. So primarily, I think if I scratch my own itch and I have people on that are interesting to me, other people will find that interesting as well. And of course, I try to ask questions that I know that my readers um, will find useful as well. And um, over the last, say, 10 episodes the the end of the first season i just wrapped up um i did go to uh, my readers and ask them for questions for these people and that that's worked out really well i like that you have seasons for your podcast i think you're the only person who i've ever heard conceptualize it in that light so is that a british thing i stole the idea from jason gaynard who runs the mastermind talks he has a podcast called community made and um, I saw that and I was like, genius, because it gets me off the content creation treadmill. So <laughs> that's yeah. what this is. Hey, fuck. What have we yeah, committed to? What are we? What do you? What do you yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. so I'm a writer. I, I need to write more. Yeah. When I, when I write, um, it just connects with people uh, more. I think I get um, more shares, more views on the website. Um, more books sold, more applicants, and, you know, I need to, what can I say? Yeah, that's the business, right? Yeah. So the good thing about that is, is let's say for every thousand people helped, one person is is an actual paying client, the rest are just reading stuff on a website for free. And obviously... There's a very different level of depth that we go into when we're working together one by one, but that, that's a good thing. 
So if I were just um, working with people one-on-one instead of writing and putting all the information out there, then my impact would be 100 to 1,000 times less. Well, in you talk about those 1,000 people who are listening. You may get a few people within that who are I'm, – I'm reading um, Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point right now, and he talks a lot about uh, connectors and people who are really influential. You get in front of a few key people, and they may turn around and spread that message to a lot of other people. So that can essentially get viral, and we've seen that happen, I think, with a lot of professionals in the industry who – yeah, they just they get in front of the just some connected people and then things blow up. So I always like to ask everybody this because I just mentioned a book I'm reading right now. Is is there a book that you have read that has a true has had a truly lasting impact on you, your life, your career? We still on? Still got you there, Andy? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Sorry about that. His phone just went off. Yeah. His wife is trying to call him. Right, uh, at, right Andrew, at the yeah. pinnacle of this thing, and Andrew's Andrew. about to drop his book, and it's like, nope, it's, it's, it's never happening again. Um, yeah, so I, I got the gist of the question, though. Um, so the book that immediately comes to mind is Trust Agents. Um, it was written in 2011. I had, or 2009 maybe, uh, and I just implemented everything in that book. That is Chris Brogan, I believe, and Julian Smith. Um just it's a book about there are timeless principles in there and it is talking about how to essentially create a one of us feeling within your writing so that you form a strong tribe in your niche that will support you and um help you uh, get your writing out there so that you can have an impact. Um, and I, I just bookmarked the hell out of that and just went through and implemented it all, really. Um, some of the techniques uh, will be out of date in there now, but the principles are timeless. Um, and I would thoroughly recommend that to anyone looking to Uh, do the kind of thing that I've done. Um, what I would, one other thing I think I'd like to say here is I still think, even though many things are shifting onto Facebook, the Instagrams, and wherever, I think it is. Uh, is oh yeah, is that yellow thing still a thing? Still you know, the dead. one that the kids use. Yeah, yeah. So you're it hasn't died yet. Yeah, it's still there. Well, Instagram is now doing everything that's doing. I know Gary Vaynerchuk's still pretty hung up on Snapchat, but I think he also owns a lot of its stocks, so maybe that's why he's doing it. But I think I think that Instagram is going to erase Snapchat. We'll see. So uh, I think you can put a lot of effort into putting stuff up on Instagram, and by all means do that. But don't neglect your website because the stuff on Instagram is going to be forgotten, yeah. but it's going to be great content. The stuff you put up six months ago, no one's going to see that. But it might be great, useful stuff. Throw that up on a website that's got your name in the URL. Tell people about yourself. Because the algorithms of all of these different social networks are going to change. But So you need somewhere 
for people to come and find you. You need to have a home on the web. So the, the social networks that you're reaching out, they're putting your tentacles out there, but make sure that you've got a home base where people can find you and make sure that you've got an email list so that you've got a way of contacting them. So that if anything changes, you're not left out high and dry. I think that's a good message to end it off with. <laughs> this is a great episode. And if any, again, we have a lot of fitness enthusiasts listening and they're just here for the knowledge and what have you. But if any of the fitness professionals who, who follow this really closely are listening, this might be one of the best episodes for that end of the spectrum. So you could probably take a lot away from this one. I certainly did. I, I borrowed things from this. I'm like, okay, I never thought we, about we that. We stole an hour of Andy's time. Yeah. I mean, we didn't pay shit. Yeah. So that was good. Right. We don't owe you anything. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm actually, I mean, okay, no, I, nice back I, I, I got a, I got a drink or two for you when I see you in Kansas City in May. So, um, yes, where where so speaking of websites, where can our audience find you? Where can people explore your work and see what Andy's got to to give? Where is that for you? Otherwise, for those that don't speak Japanese, you probably want to go to ripbody.com. Um, or uh, muscleandstrengthpyramids.com. That's where you can find the books that I wrote with uh, Andrew Valdez and Eric Helms. Um, but uh, yeah, that more all of my writing. I've, I've really it's <laughs> it's the last seven years. I've just kind of poured my heart out into that um, the writing on ripbody.com. I'm constantly trying to improve it, um, and yeah, if you, if you would like to get um, an idea of kind of what I'm about, then ripbody.com is the place to go. If you want to dive into two very detailed textbook, um, not textbooks, books that cover the principles of training and nutrition um, and give you a nice framework from which you can view things, then muscleandstrengthpyramids.com is, uh, is the place to go. Cool. That's fantastic. And I really appreciate you taking the time to, hang out with us so uh i'll be seeing you in probably what i guess like four months or so i've already booked my uh hotel and the and the conference yeah um, me too i booked a suite Woo! so that's going to be the party room hopefully i'll try excellent. and do that I gotta and when i say suite it was ten dollars extra a day oh, you know what good to know. i actually had to i was thinking about that one too am i going to go for that like sweet ass one and then i realized i'm like yeah. i spend like literally no time in the room like i think last time i got about five hours sleep each night and uh yeah, you just sustain yourself on it coffee will. through the early part of the day, and then it gets into the alcohol later on. It just is, you ride that wave. It opens up tomorrow, I think, because I'm not a returnee. So That's gonna, right. So yeah. I'll, I'll buy so, it tomorrow. Yeah. For anybody new, it's the 15th. I'm, so I'm going to try and get Mike, uh, Mike to share down as well. Um, however, he will have a two-month-old at that point. So I'm still going to keep prodding him and see if I can get that gentle giant down there. And then um, if you step out of line, Andrew, we're going to have a bigger dude. You're going to have someone bigger than me? Oh, oh. Jesus. Hang on, Andy. Hang on. How, you still there, what, buddy? What are the odds? No one calls me. He was just right. about to talk shit to you and then someone else phoned and cut him off. So, yeah. You, you have a bigger <laughs> dude than me? Is in, in, big, there is there is a bigger dude than you, yeah. Uh, Mike Touche. Uh, do you know well, Mike? He does. Uh, oh, actually, it's funny. Well, I um, oh, no, you go ahead first, Andy, because I got a story about Mike Touche. Yeah, go on. Okay, so I work at this facility, Evolve Strength, in Edmonton. For anyone who doesn't know, kind of where I am, 
And Tashir came in for a seminar with a few other, Bryce Lewis, I think might have been there, if I'm not mistaken. Bryce. Yeah, Bryce was there and a couple others. So I, I wasn't a part of it. I just happened to be there working out. And right next to me is this really big dude, big, thick legs, big, thick ass. And he's squatting in the next uh, squat rack. And I could realize he was one of the presenters. And at this time, I didn't have an understanding of who he was or anything like this. So this dude is just right there next to me doing his thing, having his workout. And I realized he's Mike to share. And then, of course, as time goes on, I realize, well, this guy's actually kind of important in the powerlifting world. So I missed an opportunity to at least uh, to network and interact. But What you uh, don't know is Andrew Sucker punched him. <laughs> why did it did he look at you funny absolutely no, that's was, how andrew is he's canadian he's big he's redheaded no one's gonna fuck with him no he's he was quiet and belayed yeah i don't go readily punching people in my gym so okay that's true he didn't do that yeah um anyway i'll see i'll see you in kansas city and uh for anyone listening if they're going to be at um that kansas city fitness summit so that's the fitness summit.com um please uh, say hello, because otherwise I won't know that you heard this. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Guys, thanks so much. And uh, again, I really wanted to bring Andy on to this thing because he's one of the guys that's out there in the online space in the fitness world who I really believe in. He's a really charming, gracious person when I met him. Uh, very, very humble. And like the content and the information that Andy has is sensational. It's up there with the best that's in the industry, as humble as he has sounded on this podcast. So follow him on his Instagram. Go and check out his webpage. Podcast. Seriously. Yeah. And his podcast. I love that. So please, guys, uh, show him some support. And, you know, for anyone who isn't yet subscribed to us or hasn't given us a five-star review, guys, that stuff helps us a ton. So if you want to hear more of our great episodes, uh, please subscribe to us. Thanks again and have a great evening. Shut up and sit down.